Welcome to the Double Espresso Show in partnership with GamblingTV.com. I'm your host, Rasmus Soymark, and I am the CEO and founder of SBC. Today we have episode one, which is about building and running a successful sales approach in the information age. But before we get started, I'd like to mention that the Double Espresso Show will focus on expert advice and key information from leading industry experts in an interview with me. Over the coming weeks and months, more great interviews will follow this one. The Double Espresso Show aims to deliver a strong message, hence espresso, and a much-needed energy boost, aka double shot of caffeine, with the aim to give stakeholders in the industry um, a more educated view of what's going on in the wider industry and what opportunities exist now and in the future. So. In the virtual studio today, sharing a double shot of espresso with me, we have Steve Schreier, CEO of Salesstripe, author of the book by the same name, and former Chief Commercial Officer of SG Gaming, Playtech, and the list goes on. Steve, cheers, my friend. Hi, Russ. Thanks for having me. Yes. So, uh, in February this year, Steve published the book, uh, Build Your Salesstripe and Sales in the Information Age. Steve. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and why you decided to publish this uh, magnificent book, or maybe I should call it the sales bible for the industry? Thanks, Raz. I'm not sure it's a sales bible for the industry, but you know, I, I guess in my background, I've been fairly entrepreneurial, and you know, I started in this industry in 2002 after some tech uh, background stuff and working in the Bay Area, San Francisco, Francisco etc. But everything changed from my previous sales experience when we became part of a of a, a startup company that needed to sort of make its way in this business. Um, and there wasn't any really information to read about that anywhere in the, uh, in the industry. There's a real problem, I think today for management, I've seen this problem kind of get worse as, uh, as my career developed. It's very difficult to find good salespeople. It's also very good to run good salespeople, but people call them sales, business development, or deal makers in general, whatever you want to call them. And I think there's a problem that it's actually a problem for management more than the actual salespeople themselves, because as far as I can see, it's people aren't actually structuring the businesses in order to succeed in, in that process. So my book's about structuring an environment for people to succeed in that. And that's exactly what I, um, what I wanted to, to get, to get across because sales has completely changed. And this whole wolf of wall street, it's all fun. Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, this sort of stuff is all fun and out there, but actually <laughs> it's not really. It's not the reality of things, right? I mean, you know, it's about, this is about developing truly valuable relationships with people, not exploitation, and actually really over time, really being part of people's businesses and generating success. And so I really wanted to get that out there and see if I could help a couple of people, you know, you know, even if I just get a few people on the right track and they're able to build their businesses around that, I think that's a really key thing. You know, I think people value this whole thing right now and people treat it as, you know, as something else. So, so that's where I, that's where I was coming from with it. I mean, Steve, on a personal level, I've, I've not uh, had much chance over the last 10 years or I've done sales, you know, since, since 2000, more or less. I don't read a lot up on sales and advice and all that because you're so busy executing and running business or adapting to how the world is changing. I read your book and there's many things that I sort of, you know, uh, cross and, and make sure that take these keywords out, come back to it, mark the page in the book and just remind myself in conversations within the company, it would be nice to put it into context 
And that's why a book like your book here really helps doing that because you can refer to things you probably should be referring to in cases when you're trying to convince people how strong sales is and how important it is to get buy-in from all the stakeholders within the company and cross over to different teams to make it work. So I think it's, it's, it's been an absolute de delight to read from, from my end as well. We have quite a lot of questions here, you know, uh, from my end, where we try and sort of cover most of the key areas in your book from uh, complex versus the more simple sales to empathy and uh, how to look at closing a deal and all these things. So let's just jump right into it. And, you know, uh, you'll get a lot of chance to talk about the book and also how you experience the, the, the different parts of sales and why you brought them into this book and how important it is for industry to uh, listen and learn from this. And I guess the, the main point here is to get the industry to, uh, I'm talking more about the gaming industry, um, to want to know, know more, uh, pick up your book, uh, learn from it, and also, of course, uh, contact myself or you if they're interested in understanding more of what they learned about in this podcast. Sure, thanks. So, uh, Steve, question number one. Why should people in the betting and gaming industry read your book? And who would you say benefit the most from your book? I think on, on this, um, basically, the betting and gaming is a, is a complex ecosystem, right? So, I mean, it's like there are many other parts of the world like this today in other business sectors, lots such as fintech, etc. But in our industry, the gaming uh, business, it's, uh, it's been pioneering some of these, um, these developments. And I think it's a it's a complex area where operators are uh, are basically bringing together lots of different elements uh, and innovations, etc., and then operating them with their own styles to their own customers. Um, and they bring those ecosystems in from many different suppliers of products and services, etc. And it involves deal making, and that's what's so great about our business is that it's an entrepreneurial business which has lots of deal making. Regulation drives a lot of that innovation in some cases, especially now, and then or deregulation or, you know, deals between companies is what my book's about, really. Um, and anybody involved in that can benefit from it. it. But it's not a marketing thing. So I think that that sales gets lost in being it's not part of marketing. Marketing for me is something that either supports business to business sales or is something that's, you know, a highly complex uh, art of its own, which a lot of our, the operators in our business do very well. And some, you know, and there's a lot of techniques around that with, with uh, marketing to uh, the end customers, but largely that's becoming automated. And so, um, and so this is about deal making. I think the audience will find it interesting to understand the, the, the more simple versus complex sales. The title of your book is The Information Age, as part of the title. Can you describe what it means, the information age, and can you tell us a bit more about the changes that the information age has brought about? I think that will be relevant as context to your book. So, I mean, this has been accelerated over the last year or so. Information age has changed most things, right? And this has been happening for, for many years now. And obviously, it's a knowledge economy and all these other buzzwords that go with that. But really, it changes how, how, how we interact with one another and how, the, how, how many things in our society works. But in... In context with selling, um, what's really happening um, in the market is that simple sales, anything to do with selling anything that's you know fairly less complex, is being replaced by some sort of automation or, or marketing in some ways. The, you know, AI is coming in and, and and changing a lot of the ways those are marketed, and then many people now are buying things without ever interacting with a human, and that's getting more and more prevalent. 
I, I guess a quick example would be something like Amazon, where you don't really need, if you have a product, you'll put it on Amazon. It's all about being able to marketing that product where you don't really have any direct interaction between you know, the product and maybe the customer service. Even things more complex than that. I mean, even things more complex than that, you can, you know, you, your buyers are powered by, uh, by like never before. They, you know, they have, the information is there for them to review and to, um, and to, you know, basically make decisions on those simple, sell, uh, simple products and services, or they, they don't have to be simple products and services, but the, the, the process of, of, of buying them can be much more simplified by them just reviewing the information and making a choice. So in that context, simple salespeople, generalist salespeople are going away, they're, they're being replaced. So and that's happening in other, you know, other businesses too. But what's happening there, and you can see that Gartner had a report recently about um, sales or the future of sales. And they were saying 33% of all buyers desire, you know, a frictionless, a seller free get a, a buying experience now, and that's climbing in to, you know, 44% of millennials said that. So that that's now that's really that's, that's already happening those things. But what the what's being missed, I think, is that the in a complex sales environment, which is uh, anything that involves talking to people and actually helping them uh, with the markets today, that the that's where selling or salespeople need whatever you want to call them need to be um, a more, you know more important in that situation. They're the differentiator, right? Because what's happening is uh, in those markets, you know, the, the those markets are complicated. There's a barrage of information now. The world's much smaller. And navigating those markets for a buyer in anything more than a simple sale is very complicated, and that's why you need experts and people to come along and actually really help you in that in that in that world. So that's what I mean by the information age and how that's uh, becoming uh, more important. That your salespeople are a crucial conduit to your customers, and they are feedback loop. But it's all about the company working as a team not just those salespeople working in isolation. It's all about that, that work, those guys working together in order to really bring that across. And so that's the world we're living in now. And, how, and, and that's been going towards, we've yeah, been going to the, yeah. towards that world for many years. That's interesting because I mean, when I, when I hear the word sales, I still think about us as salespeople going out talking and selling on behalf of the company, you know, but you're absolutely right. Things are changing and it's, it's a different world. I mean, I'll give you a quick example and say when COVID hit, um, let's say really hit around March last year, about a year ago, um, my own company is, is an event organizer. We have a lot of, of our revenue tied in with physical events. And kind of about the time there you realized in March that you had to rethink the whole business model, right? You had to, one, go back to your clients where <laughs> important business relationships, which we'll touch base on, was all key because how would they continue supporting you? with the new products you want to come up with. I think a lot of that actually really ties into the way you look at dealing with sales and how you, you, you adapt and, and, and all you can do work well with your clients, treat them as, 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 a, as a good partnership and relationship. So I think we, we had that situation and we didn't even know our product because we did digital events really didn't exist back then. And also the software, the platform supporting that industry was not in place. That was all software that couldn't facilitate quick, high level, very innovative digital events. Right. And at the same time, you also had the fact that who's going to give us the information to do business development and quick adaption within an entire company? How can a company believe in something? But hold on, this is a sales team. They will gather all this information from all the clients that spend money on a physical product to go digitally. The sales team had to feed all that information back in. And then it's all key. You understand that the sales team understand that. And then you form a strategy around it because the sales team was the external part 
of, of SVC. They would have won having the relationship with the clients. They know what the type of products the clients would want. You can't just go in and pretend you could build something that, you know, we didn't know if the, the clients wanted to buy. So, you know, I, I, I hear you. I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying absolutely ties ties in well with, with situations we, we see with COVID and will tie some of our discussions in around COVID as well, because obviously that changed things. But I think you guys have done a great job of adapting to that. I mean, it's obviously very challenging times. I think there's a... Uh... A real cultural thing that needs to change as well but yeah i mean i think you know you guys have worked very hard and that's you know you know that's one of the, the things you needed to do to keep the business going and i think uh, you've you've done very well to keep the lights on there yeah well, e- e- well e- even podcasts and, and ways of doing more digital multimedia content uh is, is is coming off the fact you you learn your capacity of doing more products that the industry uh, would probably want and are keen to uh you know embrace these days you probably wouldn't have gone there if COVID or, or, or COVID hadn't happened, right? So, um, so okay. So I'll, I'll jump to the next question, um, which deals with simple versus complex cells, and I find that very interesting. Probably uh, say I, I I say how has the world of sales, business development, etc., changed over the last five years, right? Let's say over the last five years, we could go 10, 15 years back, but let's focus on the last five years, and these changes. Have they been amplified based on the pandemic, based on COVID, which we just talked about a bit? How is the betting and gaming industry at the forefront of it? And what are the key drivers for success? I mean, I can happily repeat there's kind of four questions in that. But So I think, I mean, again, you know, we're talking about a, a complex ecosystem and, and bringing together lots of different things to make something really work well. Um, I think the pandemic's accelerated that. I think there's some other things happening in our industry that um, they're also making that quite interesting. For example, the regulation of the US market, which is the largest regulation of a market or set of markets that we'll probably see in our whole careers. And, you know, that is a very key telling point around that. So, you know, people talk about things in our industry uh, in very simplistic terms, but actually making them work is all about nuance and it's all about um, bringing those um those those things to bear and in and navigating those complex areas. So, for example, the US market today, you know, there's a lot of people looking for platforms and, and services, etc. That's a very complex thing because every supplier out there is, is is trying to show that they're the one to go for that they're you know, and it's a very competitive uh, space, and uh, and a lot of people are driving those those um, those conversations to try and make a decision. But as a buyer or as someone who might, might not be fully educated, you know, and have the benefit of the experience that we've had over the last, you know, maybe a few, 10 years or so, that um, that means there's a massive pressure on them to um, to look at, uh, to, to, to make decisions. And really what, the way people should be presenting themselves as deal makers in this environment, and this is what I do in my consultancy businesses, is, is navigators of the market, right? So, you know, because there's a, there's a lot of money at stake, there's lots of businesses at stake, there's a lot of jo- people's jobs that are at risk even, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are involved in making these decisions. And um, and that's the same for mature markets, you know, in, in the UK and, in, you know, there's a lot changing, in, you know, there's the German regulations changing massively, there's a lot changing in our business today and there's, there's massive pressure for innovation within that area, right? So as a supplier into that or as somebody who wants to be involved in providing services, you need to be communicating you need to understand that complex market you need to provide the your ability as a navigator to that market credibly in order to um in order to really help the buyers through that and that's the only real way to succeed 
these days in providing you know these services or you know you have headline value and you might just drop your prices or something but that's not really building you know great businesses over time i would say and so what you need to do in order to do that is to be really truly you know have expertise and provide put yourselves up as those navigators but buyers today are just bombarded with information and you know each piece of that information that is coming out your deck your pitch etc everybody's pitch says i'm the one to go for so if you're a buyer it's very risky for you to make a choice right it's very risky for you to to to, um decide to go in a certain direction especially if it's something like a platform where you're banking your whole business absolutely and future elements on that so you need people around you really truly understand this stuff and so you've got to be that as a, a supplier today and i think that applies to our business very very well as i hope i've no, no, that, that, that that makes sense do you want to do you want to elaborate a bit more on this or i think we we're coming back to the complex side as well uh more during the, the you know the next question so uh, well, I mean, that's 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 why I see it. Really, you just got you've got to be you've got to be a navigator, a navigator in this uh, in this area. It's not about push, pushing the benefits and features of products. It's about actually being an expert in the business, which we we'll talk about more, I guess. But I I, I guess that there will always be this thing about depending on, on on the type of business and company as well, because I mean, some companies would obviously want to push a little bit harder because they need to show some deals and try and close deals, but. It's it's not sustainable long term because you'll be selling something that the buyer or the, the the customer really doesn't want, and it's very hard to to make that sort of work, uh, you know, over several years, right? So you're absolutely right, but I, you know, I, I guess that's that's. It's more about you know, it's more about being the, the the people who are taking the, the the buyer on a journey and actually providing that to them over the longer term, especially in our business where it's about you know there's. A lot of stuff's done on, you know, revenue share, and you know, you're basically effectively going to partnership with somebody. So, you know. but, but but from from what I'm hearing here, it sounds like you are really um, trying to uh, put emphasis or emphasis, uh, you know, the fact of you need to empower your your your, your complex sales. Well, you need to consider yourself. Yeah, I mean, basically, you need to. Well, you need to be innovative to begin with as a company, or and to understand the market. So this is more of an organizational thing, but then communicating that through the the act of, uh, of doing, uh, of finding companies and working with that. So- no, I, 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 And I agree with you from your organizational, but that buy-in is, which we'll touch base on in, in, in the other questions coming here, but it's very hard to maybe get that, making this all work and come together. I mean, in the end, you you still have sales as, 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 as will be the one negotiating and talking to the client, right? So there needs to be a lot of internal planning and, and really also understand that the sales team is executing sales in a, in a slightly different way here, right? Really providing value and understanding the product and all these things that, that is so key for this to become a long, you know, sustainable relationship that works for both ends, right? I mean, that is very interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I've been saying in the book. So, I mean, it's really, it's really about setting yourselves out as as the people who can 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 take uh, people, other people on the journey, and and provide those services over time. Yeah, that's really it's a really important part of that. Now, obviously, the features and benefits of a product and service matter ultimately or can do, but really, it's more about how you're uh, affecting that and how you're t- taking people in, into that into that. Um, into that journey and our industries uh it's it's the same in many industries now it's our industries at the forefront of it because it's a complex technological in, in ecosystem that we're putting on the market and that's what need, people need to succeed so that's uh, no, no it, it, it all makes sense i'm just sitting here nodding all the time you know so uh it's not because I'm, I'm not sitting still it's just because i do agree with pretty much all you're saying steve 
I'll jump to the next question. And um, I like to focus a bit on attitude and approach, which is kind of like how you, you kick off your book as well. Um, so I would say, uh, what are the key things that should be in the head of people, like say you and me when we do sales? What should be in the head of people when they're trying to make deals or do business in our industry? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's about it's about that the relationships, building the relationships, but the relationships have to be built on, they can't just be, you know, built on a sort of personal thing. It has to be on a business area and you have to be doing deals that have value in them through, uh, and you need to create that headline value. So you need to be able to, um, to, to, to find deals that work and if they don't work, you need to be able to, you need to be able to walk away. Both parties need to be able to walk away because, you know, in the end, you know, it's about with what you're offering has the ability to change someone's, uh, you know, on a, let's say it's not even on a platform level, for example, or some sort of services you might introduce into that platform, you know, those, they need, they need to be um, providing something that really allows the, your customer to execute and and for that to be a value to them and for them to then look good and if it's on a personal level with them they'll look good within their organization and if that's not um if that's not um if that's not coming to, to about then you need to be able to crack on with something else um but it's key to under, also understand in your head that the no supplier is perfect you're not perfect you know you need to you need to know that yourself, right? So you need to find the right situations that, that work for you as well as the, the customer and know that that will be different for everybody who's, uh, who's involved. Um, but also you need energy. And, and I, unfortunately, there's a, the other thing about the information age is there's a lot of books and texts and podcasts and stuff about how to hack this and hack that and cut corners and that sort of stuff, which um, unfortunately, I, I don't want to be the bad news bringer here, but there's no real corner cutting here. You need to put a lot of energy in, it takes a lot of energy. The people who are good at this work hard. They, um, there's no hack. It's all about persistence, intelligent persistence uh, with what you're doing. And, and I'm sure you'll testify to this with your business, Raz. Because um, there's a lot of this is about timing and you know when the time is right to actually go and, and work together is, is that's something you find out over time. You don't, you know, it's, people aren't in buying mode all the time and people shouldn't be in pitching mode all the time. You know, you, you need to work this stuff out together and work out whether there's Absolutely. something to do together, which is really, you know, can add a lot of value to one another. That's yeah. that's really. I mean, I mean, we, we can address at the end of the conversation today, we'll, we'll, we'll address technology and how it's evolved and how you best use it. And I think one of the things here is actually around CRM systems and ways of, you know, taking on software, whether it's for the purpose of marketing or relationships or storing your contacts in in one place i mean you can't just show that or, or, or take that down on top of salespeople and say use that update it do it because it might not work with the way they're doing business or how they're talking to the clients it's very hard to put words on that based on other technology they'll be using as well or even having to use because that's what the customers are using so they need to adapt to the way the customers are changing communicating that back into any other team within a company can be very difficult to get the time of the day and understand you know and explain how you're working because at the end of the day putting relationships or human interaction like you and me talking you can't put that down in a crm system and explain in all details how it works and how you're going to find it and bring it up in a given context when you're talking to that customer or client again you you might be using your own notes you it could be a word doc it could be a spreadsheet it could be a Google Doc, it could be your Evernote that I use a lot of Evernotes, right? 
Evernote for me is is based on 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 not being a Mac user. I'm I'm using a Lenovo is very much my my tool, right? And another tool I use based on sorry now I'm jumping back to let's go back to technology later. I use a tool called um, Boomerang, right? Boomerang is 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 an amazing tool where I literally can get hundreds of emails a day. But often I boomerang them. So within the next two hours, the next two days, they pop to the very top of my inbox. And I boomerang maybe three, four times more emails than I actually read because I get them back up and then I read them quick, but I boomerang them again. So a lot of my work is all about updating my Evernote on clients and other things, or even teams to make sure I remember my discussions with them so I can bring it back up and not wasting anyone's time. And boomeranging emails so I don't forget about them because I'm on a call um, with, with, with a client doing something else or having internal meetings. So, you know, things are changing and, and I cannot share this way of working with anyone really. It's very tough, you know. I mean, how am I supposed to feedback or report back on this? It, it just doesn't work like that, you know. And I'm sitting as a CEO and, and, and a company, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with around 70 employees. I want that feedback, but how can I ask for that feedback if I can't deliver that feedback myself, right? So there's a lot of value and trust and a lot of internal things which we'll touch base on that also really needs to work. And exactly what you said, this is not an easy task. You need to understand how sales work, complex versus simple sales, the information age, things are changing, and and, and create your own approach with guidelines that you're providing in your book. I, I, I think you just, that that's... You just mentioned something that's really critical, which is... and. It's amazing how much it doesn't happen. Making notes, right? So you set yourself out, you spend lots of money, you go to trade shows, you go into all this stuff, you work really hard to get in front of people. And then when you do get in front of people, you don't make notes. And I see it all the time. I have seen it all the time over many years. And that is, it's incredible that. I mean, that is, you know, I, I'm, look, I've got a good memory, but I still have to make notes because I will forget things. And when people are telling you critical parts about how they're, they're executing Absolutely. and you're asking questions and getting Absolutely. those answers. You need to be making those notes. And then you need to be using them as a strategic asset, you know, to, to help you make decisions. And so you, you become more knowledgeable and become more, you know, more of an expert in your business. So, you know, that you know, the fact you say that and using these tools is really a good way of sharing that, exploiting the the world we live in now. But I mean, that's a fundamental key principle from from ever more of making notes, which um, again, doesn't seem to happen as much as it should. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, I, I still come across that sort of mindset of thinking that sales is about, I sell, you know, someone else needs to do my account management, someone needs to, whatever else, take the notes for me, I'm selling, I'm closing deals. I mean, yeah, you need that, but come on. I mean, how is that an ambitious approach to sales? If you want to grow, you got to take it all in because everything you're taking in makes you much better against all the customers you're dealing with. Now, maybe it gets a bit more passionate around. Well, that's, that's part of the complexity, right? You're navigating the complexity by, by, by having that information, right? So everyone's working this out. You know, when, in, in, the, in, the, in this business, we you know in the gaming business, which was, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, people didn't have all the answers. We were all making mistakes and working it out as we went along. So learning what's happening in the market, and that's happening now. We're in a massive time of disruption again. So you've got to be listening and you've got to be making making that, you know, a log of that stuff so you can make decisions going forward. Otherwise, I think, you're, you know, it's, it's very challenging. And, uh, 
you know, that's, it's critical that that's, that's happening in organisations today, I think. I, I agree. And I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of these things that, you know, will come up in, in this conversation. I'm sure when we reflect and listen to what we talked about, there might be areas we want to elaborate on, which we can do after the podcast, sure. or we can, you know, we talked about, depending on the interest, we can host another, where we dig even deeper down to some of this, because obviously we're different types. I've been doing sales my life, uh, all my life, even from telemarketing sales to... Uh, complex sales as you've been with SG, I was doing for every matrix um, and the affiliate side as well into different markets. The world is changing. It's becoming a lot smaller. We can access it as, as you discuss in your book, we can access that well from, you know, from, from a digital level, we don't always have to travel. So how do you master the, um, the effort of selling without being face to face? Because I come across salespeople as well that would tell me, I can't sell because I can't meet people at an event. And I, of course, I want people to go to events. That's one of my core products. But it doesn't mean you 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 shouldn't be able to sell. Like in, in a case of COVID happened, you needed to adapt to a whole different mindset of selling, right? And and some salespeople might not be as good at that, but then they need to admit it and understand it and and and, and learn about the tools and the ways of dealing with it where they can change slightly. That's the beauty of a salesperson, being able to adapt to any situation and I'm saying stuff again from your book here, uh, you know, ad yeah. adaption, situational, uh, you know, and, and this is a bigger situation, but it's all about that, you know, understanding there are things out there you need to bring in. And every every time you reflect on things, bring it in, you just improve the way you're, you're doing things and you understand more about your customer as well. Yeah, but I do think it's so there's two, a couple of things on that. And then um, maybe just quickly, I just I think. First of all, I think it's it's up to, it's up to management to provide the tools for salespeople and for other people in the organisation too. I'm just you know, but for people who want to go out there, I don't think people who are focused on going on establishing uh, great relationships and and doing deals with people should be focused on going and finding new technology necessarily, but they should be adept at using it. And just on the sort of meeting people thing, no, look, I mean, you know, I, I, I love these events. You know, that there's nothing that will replace seeing someone you haven't seen for you know, a year or two across the room and going and tapping them on the on the shoulder and saying hi and having a joke and a smile and then understanding what they're doing. And then, you know, there may be opportunities in the future. And a lot of business is done that way, right? I mean, and that it can't be replaced. And I'm very lucky I've got a good network and, you know, I've been, you know, and that's been brought to bear during the, the pandemic. But I do think if you, if you're, you know, I heard someone talking yesterday on, a, on, a, on another thing saying if they didn't want to be in B2B sales in our industry right now, and I couldn't disagree with that more, actually. I think right now is a very interesting time to be starting a business in B2B in our industry, because yes, it's difficult maybe to get in front of people, but then yeah. you'll be focused on what you say when you do, right? And you'll be focused on identifying the right people to get in front, in front of, not to spray it around and just, you know, instead of it being, a, you know, about quantity, it becomes about quality. And I think that's been something that, you know, I've been talking about for a long time. And I think it's about working out what your customer looks like. Your customer isn't everybody. It's it's a it's a, it's a small set of people generally right and you can and going and finding those people working out who they are and then working out how you get in front of them you can do that using technology tools and then it's a much more valuable thing once you do right and so you know i hope that sort of talks to that a little bit no no and and, and what i would say as well is that um you know i mean people have more time you know you, you, you i completely agree here because you have more time and 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 and, and attention for everyone if you just use the right digital medium and, and the quality, as you say, don't communicate something that doesn't make sense. Think a little bit about what you're saying, what uh, what, what what tools you're using, 
uh, to communicate this, whether it's 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 into you writing on LinkedIn or participating in a podcast or whatever it might be, right? And then you know, it, it, it's not like someone can't pick up the phone and try and call you. They need to get your number or contact you on LinkedIn. If the, the, the message is, is right, there's a good fit. You might go back and have a chat and say, listen, yeah, we can talk about this. Or it will be someone else, right? You just got to think a little bit about what do I need to do to break through and get and reach these potential customers, right? You don't just go on LinkedIn at the, at the key decision maker from that, uh, decision maker from that customer and start selling them, right? I mean, that, that, that's probably what most people are doing. Right. Think about it. And well, there's so much to get into here because and I don't believe in key decision makers either. There's no people don't buy individuals don't buy anymore. They may there may be someone who signs it and there may be, there's always bosses, right? But people buy things as a group, right? Because they're big teams doing big things. And we're in an unbelievable situation in our industry where you know massive markets are opening up and there's so much opportunity in that. And so I think. It is about you know networking and doing some of those things in a in a wider forum, but it's about finding all the people who who you know who you can to to influence that, and that takes time and energy and all the rest of it. So you know it's no different to what it was before, really, in that way. But um, just very quickly, you you say market. Is there any specific markets you think are like providing? We're trying to relate this a bit more to the to the betting and gaming industry. Is there any specific markets yeah. you think regions that are very interesting? Um, you know, these days, obviously you mentioned North America, so I'm sure you're saying North America, but, you know. For me, for me these days, um, my, my, my business, I do a lot of work in um, in North America, right, in general. And so that, that includes Canada now, because Canada is about to get very interesting, I think. Um, and so there's a lot of activity there right now. Um, I think the U.S. is becoming almost a B2B state because, or B2B uh, territory, because, you know, if you're trying to, you know, a lot of the beast, the big business, the consumer, the operators there yeah. have got a lot of money or the top guys have and competing with them is very difficult. If you're another B2C trying to get in now, it's very difficult. A lot of the yeah. market access gone is gone now, etc. But if you're a B2B supplier, that's the place to, to, to look. And then a lot of what's going on in Latin America is becoming very interesting, too. And Central and Latin America, South Southern America is is really interesting, too. So. I think there's some great, uh, there's some very interesting um, uh, regions to look into. I think also it's getting tougher in more um, mature markets or more European markets, and that means you have to be better at what you do, really, I mean, to 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 really craft businesses in that area. And I think that is become, that's happening a lot now. Yeah. Well, you talked about that earlier. You, you talked about regulation, innovation required, even though it might seem tough. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I would ask you one question there before we go into the, the back to the main questions I have. It, do you see, because your expertise, and for, I know the listeners as well, I know you do a lot of great consultancy work so people can come to you and get the idea of sales and assistance if they're looking to make business and move into the US market. You, you, you have done a lot of great work there, market access deals and been very strong. Uh, uh, so they can contact you and that will be the contact details after after the podcast as well. But do you, do, you, do you think Latin America is an easier market if you manage to understand and conquer the uh, US or North American market, including Canada? Is, is there any benefit there based on also the proximity, I guess? Or what would you say? I don't think there's any, there's not very many crossovers. I wouldn't have said it's, there's a lot, there's a different language in in most of that that region, it's a it's a very much more complicated region than than you know. And the US is very much sports betting led, whereas in Latin America it may be you know bingo or casino led in some places. So 
I think everywhere, and this is what's great about our industry, again, there's a lot of nuance. And that's what the, the edge cases is what, what could, can be the opportunity in our industry, which is what's fantastic about it. But I think that's the same in lots of complex industries now. And that's that's the world today. They, a lot of this simplistic stuff is, is going away. So, so yeah, do I think, I think you've got to treat everywhere as a different uh, opportunity and understand it properly before you, you go in. And I think that's, that will, you know, the, the, whether you're B2C or B2B. And I think that's the, the, the critical part of it. And that's why you need expertise in order to, to do that, either within your organization or from your suppliers. I would even say, and I don't, sorry, I keep asking you things here, but you, you can also turn and twist this a bit and say, looking and listening, look, well, reading your book uh, and listening to, to our conversation here, it kind of sounds like there is a more or bigger need for, I'm not saying there's a lot of consultants out there, but the consultancy business could be a really fruitful one if you know how to be the right type of consultant that provide the right type of information for companies that need to understand the customers, right? Because the the the, the investment, the time, the resource internally in a company, even the tools we talked about is very, very difficult to get right. It takes a lot of investment and management often doesn't have the time. They're working with the right consultants would probably be able to get there much quicker. I know I looked at it in that way, but you, you can obviously argue this is the reason why you should consider people that really understand obviously the right experts and get them into the picture because they can help you and they can save you a lot of money, a lot of headaches, um, you know, and, and, and bring a lot of opportunity. That's interesting because often consultants, I guess, gets a little bit hard time by, you know, you're asking me for a lot of money, you want this, you want that, you know, and, you know, and, and we can do it ourselves, blah, 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 you know. Well, I think I think yes. I mean, obviously, um, I actually I think I think the if you're a consultant, you need to be you need to be uh, you need to be qualified. And I think that's the same thing as I'm saying on the supplier level, right? You know, I think what suppliers should be doing is striving to be uh, expert navigators within the business. That's what that's how they they can add much value, and they can and the companies were behind those suppliers. I'm talking about not just the salespeople, because those people then can come along and actually make a credible difference to their customers. Now, obviously, yes, hiring a consultant to help you with that, who understands that more than you do, might help you navigate that quicker, and therefore you can you can enter other places that you might want to go. The, what we see on the market today, though, is lots of people are coming becoming consultants who aren't really uh, that well schooled. You know, do you want your banker telling you to buy a particular sports betting platform? <laughs> Probably not, but I mean that is what's happening in some cases. So you just got to be a bit careful with some of this stuff. And I hope I haven't uh, crossed the line there. But I mean, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, this is what happens in a, in, a, in a very vibrant market. So it's it's a very fun place to be at the moment. And I just think that's, you know, being part of it, being an expert in stuff is is really what you need to strive to be doing. But even being in an industry like you and I have for for many years, I learn every day. I don't, you know, learning is something you have to do all the time. It's not, I don't have all the answers. And I don't think anybody has all the answers, but I, I think, you know, you, what you need to do is have a combination of having been there and done it, uh, understanding what's in front of you. And so you have the ability to give people the best advice. And then uh, if you're creating products and services to, to go into that, using that advice yourself to, you know, really have a have a, a, a make a difference once you sit down at the table and talk to somebody and you're providing this stuff to people because that's the differentiator Absolutely. for them. Right. And that's what makes them succeed. And so, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. So I hope that makes sense. I know you love to um, to talk about value. So if we say about value as a way of cutting through the noise, 
um, looking at your book, you know, um, you focus a lot on establishing value. What does this mean? And how does this value help suppliers and customers come together? I just don't think, I don't think everyone's your customer. I think you need to work out who your customer really is. I think you need to, to work out. It just out sounds tough. That, that sounds tough. Are you dropping business on the table, yeah? No, well, it is tougher, right? But you can, you can hone it over time. You don't have to go, right, this is my customer and stick to it. Like, oh, it is, it is, it is. You can actually hone it over time and make it something you you, you start out with a various, uh, and you, you'll see in the book, I talk about demographics and psychographics and you know, we, that's, that's all very much more detailed in the book. But I mean, you know, you need to find out who those people are and then you need to hone that over time so that you know that you're focused on adding the most value to the most people. So then when you get in front of these people, you can actually talk to them properly about how you might uh, work with them and what that will look like and what they might expect about uh, out of that. If you establish your value properly, then your negotiation on price becomes you know, a lot, the last thing you're talking about, right? Because if you're adding lots of value to somebody and they see you adding a lot of value to them, the last thing they're going to do is try and knock you down on price just for the sake of it. Whereas if something's more of a commodity, people are likely to say, well, I'm not paying that from you or they'll put, they'll put you against other people and then you'll, you know, naturally the price will become lower. So communicating value is a good way of holding your price because then you're adding that, that value. For example, in your business, you'd be saying, well, you know, I'm going to let you speak to many people in these different uh, job titles or whatever and and i know i'm going to do that so i can do that um but if you can communicate that well it's a good it's a good uh, way to start and then you know it just establishes this sort of fair basis of doing business and then you establish yourself as an expert you, br you bring your expertise we talked about that navigate these complex markets for people in order that they might know about the nuance and there might be things they haven't done about one example of that was when I was building a, when we were building a game developer company, you know, I wouldn't go and see a customer unless I'd played the game, unless I put some money through the website so that I could say, you know, your customer journey, you know, you know, what, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? That's adding some value to them that maybe they weren't expecting from me. You know, that's, you know, those are sort of examples of that. No, I, 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 I do agree. Um, I guess they, 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 there's different ways there as well. Like you would, you you would in many cases need, uh, and this is where the general discussion is how it's a company buying into what sales is and understanding complex sales, um, you know, and uh, helping the sales team, which are the external representation to showcase the value and everything the company stands for, bring that into the products, understand how they bring it in and know that the way they work, they're empowered to also make things happen, but they still get the support in terms of what they need to get the you know, the products work for the customers. And in some cases, as you say, it might not be the best fit. So do you go back and, and, and understand how I speak to that customer or that customer might not just be the right fit and you focus on the, the business that makes the most sense, right? Um, be a tough one though. I don't, never like to drop sales on the table, you know? You'll always believe that you can... No, I'm not this suggesting is that Coming you, back you, to closing as well. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I think a real another thing about another key thing that people need to have in their heads is this feeling of abundance. So there's always there's a lot of deals to be done. There there are a lot of deals to be done, right? But I mean, it, and it's also about timing, right? It might just not be the right time to have that conversation or to do to to, to do that, which is it's a it's a very big part Absolutely. of of success in this stuff, right? So, you know, that's that's a, that's a key part of it, really. I'll I'll, I'll jump to the next one, which is uh, empathy, and um, you know, you 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 focus a lot on listening so i would say uh listening is also something that you uh in the book as i said talk a lot about so um 
have people lost the ability to listen uh, and 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 yeah just expand a bit on this how 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 does this whole thing work listening to uh, to the customers and what what do you derive from 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 doing that yeah so i think i think empathy is a it's an it's one of the most important elements that modern businesses are looking for overall with leaders etc in general right um so so this isn't a surprise that it's also really important in the selling process but but from a from a sales perspective i think you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the buyer you can't really not do that i mean a lot of these things are quite risky right a lot of the if you're going to change what why why bother why if you're if you're a buyer or if you're somebody doing something in a organization and someone's pitching something to you what why bother changing so you know you've got to have that empathy that you've got to be able to put yourselves in their shoes understand what their 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 view of the world is and then somehow de-risk that for them as you go through the process but listening to them is the first part of that right you've got to understand there and a large part of selling is not about pitching it's about asking questions understanding the answers and then taking the conversation in a, in a different direction Pit people too there's too much pitching for me people think i've got to have a pitch i've got to bombard people i've got to have my brochure and my my 50 page powerpoint presentation that i've got to make people sit through that's not what it's about it's about people treating people as human and and really you know establishing a, a rapport through understanding their situation and then being able to you know derive the the some sort of uh, you know condition to go forward and do business together if if that if that comes about that's always kind of how i've tried to do deals but that's much more important in, in this day and age because there's a lot of risk out there now you know everything's changing right everything we're, we're, we're living through a pandemic but it's been changing for long before that but now it's just being accelerated and so you listening to your customers they'll tell you what their challenges they're facing and you'll be able to adapt your your business and everything towards that so that is a modern reality you have to really be doing that so it's, it's become a really really important part of doing business being empathetic with your customers so i think and it's just going to get more important i think absolutely which also is what we address based on our use of technology which we'll come back to again but uh, we talked about how you record notes or you know, CRM system, what you use can help you with this. Once you get the information, don't ignore the information you're getting because it will become vital for you to to work with the customer going forward, you know? Um, very interesting. Uh, I, I I would say, what 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 I know you, you're trying to say sales is very different from marketing. Uh, it cannot be seen as marketing, right? But there's also balance, and I think that's what we should talk about next time. We we try and elaborate more on 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 the whole sales process, not in this podcast, but the way marketing does play a big influence in a way because they would have to open the doors for the sales team, right? In 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 some in some ways, because sales team would do a lot of of relationship, empathy, listening, value, and explaining the company, and, and really work on that. Whereas marketing can have difficulties, all of that is very hard to do in a marketing, especially if it's automated and more automated. But marketing then maybe in some cases also needs to be kinder built around your sales team, right? Because if you have a sales team that has a function to go out and, and work around complex sales, your marketing can't be marketing in another direction and thinking if they're not segmenting, if they don't understand who they're marketing to, how's that going to help the sales team? If you're asking the sales team to go out and treat people as you know, human beings are people they need to listen to. I mean, those can easily go in different directions is, is what I'm picking up from. 
Yeah, that's, so, let, uh, so let me be, be, be clear about that. I'm not belittling marketing at all. Marketing is a fantastic skill. No, 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 uh, uh, absolutely yeah. not. It's just you mentioned marketing can sometimes be perceived as also being sales, right? Yeah. I mean, that is what's, I mean, market, auto, marketing is what's being automated and driven by AI at a certain level. In a simple sales level, it's incredibly important. That's what's, that's what's driving these things. You know, I, I put out my phone, I order something on eBay and it, it appears in my house in, in, two, in a day's time, right? It's, it's you know, and that, you know, mar it's marketing driven, right? But then there's the whole marketing in, our, in a B2C context in our industry and all this sort of stuff, which is what, how you establish relationships with players and take them through journeys, et cetera. In a complex sales area or business to business sales, you know, the marketing is generally supporting the, the sales function. So that's right. And it's a critically important part, provided it's done with some sort of concern for the customer, right? That it's not just, it's the information age, there's lots of information. <laughs> Whereas you've got to, it's better to have for me to have a, you know, two page PowerPoint presentation and have a conversation than it is to have a 50 page one that, you know, you sit through on a Zoom call and for, you know, two hours and the customer can't ask any questions or, or speak. I mean, that's a very strong example, but I mean, you know, I'm just making the, making the point. You know what, I, 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 again, personally, I agree with you and I think everyone else should be agreeing with you. I never, even though we have sales presentations, I shouldn't be saying too much with my own sales team as well. I'm sure they will listen in. Um, I, I still do a lot of sales. I love, I can't get away from sales, right? I never use a sales presentation. I don't. I, I, I really base this on previous years of doing business with my clients. I go into a conversation knowing what they want. And what I'm focusing on, has things changed? Why have you changed? What is happening? What, 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 how have you been communicating in this year? What is your focus next year and what clients? Knowing all of that and then having a conversation before you start pushing things at them, you can easily come up with the whole base of them. This is what you need. This is what, and we can have another call to discuss whether it is exactly what they need. Things like that I did with your old company, SG Gaming, like great relationships, trying to understand and build on that, right? And once you do that, you don't want to, especially on my end, with, with, with 10 events a year and more and, 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 and 15 different websites you want to sell, how can I ask someone to read through 250 pages of sales presentation, right? I mean, who's, who's even having time for that? And then understanding, I like these 10 items. Can you tell me more about them? And I'm going to spend four times more time with that client because I need to, instead of initially understanding the client and then build around that. And if, if I understand the client, they know that our focus on delivering ROI or, or, or value and make this partnership work because I want it to continue like that, right? I don't want to lose the client. Uh, so it, it, what we're coming to shortly is is after days so we we'll, we'll talk about de-risking here as well which kind of leads into some of this so 100 uh sorry i, I don't want to get too carried away on 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 my own end yes no no exactly no, it's, it's good and i think that just on, on the just on the marketing thing it's it's that, that is about creating you know case studies stuff where you really demonstrate your value i think in, in is really what that's about now and um you know you see different examples of that in and uh yeah, I agree completely. Value data and all of this. I mean, so and the information age. How 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 is this changing the way you say, let's say, look at data and, and how important data is in the sales process? Well, I just think measuring. So a lot of people use of uh, the phrase data driven, which is again, you know, something that's used very extensively in our industry in the kind of operator level. Um, but it but it works, right? So I mean, 
you need to use the data, but being them, you need to use the data as part of what you do. So um, you need to show that you're delivering on what you what you say you're going to deliver. And if you use data to show that, that's a really good way of creating that story. But using data in a sort of hard way is is can be very dry. So it needs to be based around stories and you know things that are much softer than that. And you know there's not much more to say than that on that. Because, but statistics are a good a good slave, but not a good master. But if you incorporate them into what you do, they can tell you a very good story. And um, and that's a critical part again of communicating your value. But it's got to be relevant. It's got to be relevant to your customer, not to you. It's purely to you. It has to be again. You know there has to be an empathetic way of communicating this stuff, packaging it properly. And that helps you communicate well because you're doing stuff based on facts and uh, and not just hearsay. So it's really important. I'll go away from asking you for more uh, examples on this. I think we'll, we'll touch base on that next time. I think this 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 painted a pretty good picture, to be honest. Um, but I do like I do really like this one here. This this question around de-risking. Um, so how I can de-risk doing business with you and you being a buyer, right? So that's the core for a salesperson. So let's say let, let's put it like this. How do you instill confidence in the buyer's mind, right? I mean, in regards to doing business with someone like like you and me, um, if they haven't done business with us before, how, how how do we make them feel they can trust us, right? And and obviously you're not gonna sorry my language take the piss, right? You you, you want to make sure it's a, it's a two way street. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I mean, obviously, um, what I'm talking about here is really is is trying to de-risk this as much as you can. Now, look, this is and this is again more about management really than purely about the sales person themselves because it, you have to act like this, but. It's more about backing yourself as a supplier in this area. It's not about necessarily just dropping your price to zero for a period of time, although that is a way of de-risking. What I'm talking about here is maybe, especially in these times, yeah. right, in the in the times of pandemic, etc., and, and and uncertainty and what we where we don't know right now. So there's a there's an element of de-risking. If you can do that, you're more likely to be able to 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 get customers who who are able to to work with you. So you can prove what you're showing, especially if you're doing something that's innovative, which hopefully you are. And and you're showing something over over time. Now, can you de-risk selling someone a full platform with a wallet up from their business? No, probably not. Um, but you can, for example, make the contract terms less or do something around that which might help them make it more palatable for their organization and not feel like they're really betting the farm just on this one relationship. So that's a really key area to look at. Now, every business is different and every business will have a different appetite for it. Uh, in the pandemic, for example, this is completely off the wall, totally outside our business. But I saw some people giving yoga instructors their their, their software, the yoga instructor software. It helps them plan and you know get people to do yoga, etc. And they just gave it to them for no fee until the end of the pandemic. That thereby creating a great bunch of users with lots of value. There's lots of value to them, and then they can switch that back on again in the pandemic. Some people will go away, and then other people will carry on using their their software. So there are examples like that. And I do actually know some people in our industry doing this, but obviously that's you know confidential. I'm I'm doing that. Listen, I didn't actually think about it before right now because there you go. Sorry, I'm Not almost yelling here. Um, you got me all excited. Listen, we we always put ourselves at the forefront. Not to use SPC too much, but quality events, paid for events with the hospitality included, food, drinks, high level networking, like really quality that you really enjoy that attracts senior executives. Right now. Go back to March 2020, as we talked about, changing that whole way of working. The first event we did in April was the SPC Digital Summit. 
kind of laid out the foundation and created a benchmark. I think for the entire industry in terms of digital event, it was massive. Like the, the, the CEO of Sport Radar, good friend Carsten Curl, or CEO of Kaizen Gaming, or, or Shay uh, from, from, you know, short time CEO of, of, of GBC and Tame. Now with the zone and loads of great speakers, and we did so much work to make this happen. It was amazing, and we charged we charged people to attend this. I don't know, maybe we should have kept doing that, right? But that was the only event we charged money for, right? We realized you got to give this away for free. Whereas on a physical event level, we will not give away free access to a conference. All the work and money we are paying to make this happen, building stages, even nice looking chairs with branded backs and whatever, right? That's part of the value creation we have, right? That's our product. So that's completely changed. We cannot charge money for digital events. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. So we have to live with the fact that we're not making as much money because we have to keep giving away our product in this time of COVID and pandemic. And then, you know, we'll return hopefully this year and in, in, in after the summer holidays, right? But it's very similar, right? That we had to realize this is not the way we, we, we make our money. We have to find other ways, right? Than, than charging for this. Yeah, exactly. But I think in general, if you can de-risk, especially in a complex world, people working with you, you'll you know you'll you'll get more people to come along oh, the absolutely. journey, and then you'll prove it over time. And provided you're backing it, back you're backing it. So it's a good it's a good already. Listen, Steve, Steve, I really hope, and not just on my own end, right? I really hope to see a lot more customers coming in thinking SBC, great, you gave us a product, we tried it, it worked well. We're happy to invest for it, you know, for, for 2021 and 2022 going forward, you know. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure it will. Thank you. Um, so, uh, okay. So let, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, jump further here. We have a, just a couple of questions left. Um, I would say this one is, is key. We don't have to spend much time. We already talked about it. Use of technology, right? So an obvious one. And, and I myself have changed the way I work over the last three, four years based on, you know, people just not being using email that much, or certainly Skype is not as important as it used to be. Um, we still use it, our, our signatures, funny enough. Um, but, um, you know, uh, so I, the question I, I have for you is, um, you know, uh, why do you think that using the technology is, is an important point to make in your book and, and the whole party place in the sales uh, um, process or the way of being a, a sales team? Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, right, that there's a lot more technology around to do this stuff than there used to be. But when you actually look into it, a lot of people are not really doing it. So that works on different levels. But one example would be, you mentioned the CRM, customer relationship management systems. Uh, and I don't, I've never, well, I have a sort of love-hate relationship with them because they're, the problem with them is that they have this pre-baked, pre-ordained ideas about how you do things. And I don't believe in an entrepreneurial situation that that works for for, for all people. So having that pre-baked thing means you can't really differentiate from the crowd. And we're all about differentiating from the crowd now. That's what selling in a complex world is about. So you need to use the technology. There are lots of tools and things around there, but you need to build it for yourself and build it from components that are out there in my this is my humble opinion and then if you use that well it can change the game and it can make you very efficient and it can help you really um work very well with your customers and that isn't really the job of salespeople. i'd say that again that's the job of management to put these things in place that really help that happen and, and have people who are evaluating these technologies for example for distributed working there's lots of different technologies uh, around it 
and um, you know they, they you need to explore those and make them work. And I think this has been a revelation in the in the last year for a lot of people on what's really out there. But it's about picking the stuff that works for you and the way your company culture works and all the rest of the things. So it's bigger than selling, but it's an important part of it. But you know what? And I find this very interesting because I'm sure people will be of varied opinion and something we can we can also discuss more out of out of this uh, the, the context of this show. But let's look at social media. A lot of the tools used for communication is social media. Well, it's LinkedIn as your profile, your LinkedIn messaging, your LinkedIn company pages, groups, or whatever, even LinkedIn uh, live or broadcasting and streaming while the platform, right? Or writing editorials and content. Then you got Facebook, right? Which is maybe slightly more personal and Instagram or whatever else, even WhatsApp, Telegram, right? You know, I mean, how, how, where's the definition here? Because you can argue all of these things kind of, you know, when you join a company, you have to understand that you need your social media tools to work for your company. Whereas you can argue, these are my personal profiles. The company has no right in telling me what to do. But if it yeah. is about adapting the way you're communicating and the tools you're using, what, what to say here? Because, I mean, can I, as, as a CEO or, or company founder, can I go and say, guys, all your LinkedIn profiles, they are reinforcing the brand that we're building here. You work for me? Use your profile to, you know, that's a difficult one, you know, very yeah. difficult one. Well, it is difficult, but I would, I would say, you know, if you're personally, I would say if you're, if you've got, if you've got people out there, you're, you know, as a CEO of a business and you're out there, people are out there collecting data for you and, you know, and you're sharing that within your organization, it belongs to you. But there is obviously a line on that, but you just need to make sure you've got clear systems and policies. Now, the, the key thing here is you do need things in these systems, right? So if someone's going out and finding all these things and then storing it in their inbox, uh, and then they leave or uh, the company or whatever, then you've kind of lost that asset. So you need to make sure you're capturing the stuff and sharing it with the right people in the organization. That's a critical thing for me. And, that needs to happen. and it comes comes back to management as well, right? I mean, you you, you got you to gotta make sure your team believes in the company and wants to, to, to work for the company. I mean, don't, don't have any frictions. If there's frictions, people will probably work in different directions and have different opinions. Whereas if they enjoy the company, part of their life, who they are is, is, is their job today, right? And so. But use the technology. Technology is a tool and, and there's lots of tools around now. It's there to be used, not to be for you to be used by them, I think is the, the, the key thing I'm saying. Tools like LinkedIn are, I think LinkedIn has changed the game. Uh, and, you know, I was one of the first users of LinkedIn, was that 20 years ago? So, you know, it's a fantastic tool. And I think, it, you know, things like Clubhouse now, I'm interested in that. I'm listening to a few things on there. Some good, some bad. You know, it's I'm still on my, uh, my Android. So, uh, you know, I guess I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for more okay. things to spend my time on. But I do understand that I need to be checking a bit more on Clubhouse. It sounds interesting, at least at least at the time where we, um, you know, we still sort of not being able to go to events and all that. There, there's a need for more digital content. But hey, listen, we have to um, we have to uh, we have to jump a bit um, forward here. Um, you you. I had two questions that one is about looking after your customers and the future. So if, if very quickly, just say why looking after your customer, I mean, account management and all that. Why, why, why is that? I mean, uh, you, you mainly call it like you actually address it to the word of closing that is used a lot in sales. So I don't know if you can elaborate a bit on this. I don't like, well, so I, I, I think you might have noticed in the book, I don't like the word closing because I don't, that's not what you're doing. You're, you're, you're start, you're actually starting something most in most of the time in that, in these days, right? And especially in our industry, but I mean, I think in most industries now, 
when you there's generally people are looking for recurring relationships etc so by signing a contract with somebody you're starting a relationship and you need people who are prepared or able and you're backing as a management team to to manage that relationship and to help you with the customers and those customers will typically if you do that well that your customers will become more and more value to you, to you over time i heard something the other day someone was saying retention's the new the new acquisition right so and that's a digital marketing way of saying what i'm saying which is basically look after your customers in a lot of places you see a you know pareto principle to 80 20 80 percent of the revenue is coming from 20 percent of the customers it's critical you look after those people and yet again you see varying um quality of, of execution in that area, whereas actually, it's, I think it's actually critical for businesses. And I know you know that, so it's... <laughs> uh, no, 100%. <clears throat> I mean, uh, 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 you know, we, we, we have an events company is brilliant for that, obviously, because you keep bringing people back to the events and a part of the events, you give them good experience and they all enjoy it. You, you just keep being connected with them and the same through the media. So we have a luxury of working with things that really is in sometimes looked at as Switzerland, right? We are neutral foundation in between that facilitates the introduction and the connection between buyers, sellers and buyers, right? And that that's lovely sometimes, but other times it can be a bit daunting based on, on, on some other ways of just wanting to make people understand that's what you are and they should be all investing in you. But you still need to provide that value and that reason for them doing this with you than many other providers of a similar service or, 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 or product. Anyway, last one, the future. So any sort of um, what is the future here, considering all this talk about complex sales and closing and all that i mean in a few words before we go to uh, to sort of rounding this 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 show off yeah i mean i just think i think the future is very bright for salespeople. i mean you're in a world now where you know the ibm watson can solve cancer can di di diagnose cancer better than human doctors and um so that you know a lot of businesses a lot of professions are going to be disrupted massively I think as long as human pe humans are buying from humans, then s uh, salespeople and having a quality uh, approach to this is going to be very, very important for scaling businesses of any of any size in, in a complex world. So that's my that's my belief. And I think it's you know the responsibility of the whole company, not just the salespeople, to make that happen and to work together to really make a difference. So I think the future is uh, very good for people who want to get into this and understand this properly and build their businesses around it. I think it's that's that's the world we're in. Okay, so let let me let me try and sum up here just to see if I actually I think I picked up pretty much all you're saying, and I you know I I've also enjoyed your 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 book very much, and uh, I probably need to go back multiple times and pick out some of these things and bring them into my notes and agendas for you know meetings with my teams to make sure that they really understand some of the things we're doing here and why we're doing them. Um, but I'll say the key takeaways, and you'll have a chance to 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 have your comments on this, but I'll say what we learned today, and I, I really want to reinforce, I hope this is an educational show, right? It's not so much about you and me talking or some self-promotion for your book. Um, your book is on this show because it's a very, very good book that is very educational and helpful at a time where we need this. Um, and I talk from experience. Um, I don't often think I can learn a lot about sales, but you certainly gave me a lot of things to to think about here, not just from the sales side, but the whole company and how we work and understand sales and 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 this department working with other well, departments. Thank so, you. That's great. Absolutely. So um, I would say relationships, um, simple sales versus complex sales, the attitude and approach, 
the value and how everyone is not your customer and understanding then how you can make them your customer, how you walk away. In some cases, empathy, measure and measure more, um, understand the data. Then I would say de-risk the way business is done with you. Instill the confidence in the buyer's mind as, 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 as well as you can. Use available technology, but understand that works for you on a management level. You need to make sure the company is, is behind this. Sit, maybe a bit more mind, situational context and adaption around any situation you're in with customers and all that, be able to accommodate. And, you know, I call it account management, but looking after your customers and, you know, not just about closing, um, build a relationship here. I would say these these are some key things I pick, you know, up in, in this conversation, which is a lot, you know, I, I don't think you can perfect any of these. So you'll always be able to work with them. Right. So I don't know what you think if you call all these points I raised here. That's great. Thanks so much for, for that. Um, I really appreciate you um, you summarizing like that. Yeah. So I think we, we've touched on a lot of things. It's a deep topic. Topic can be very dry as well. So I really appreciate you. Yeah, no making, way. I enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, we're talking like an hour now, Steve. This is uh, uh, I had in ages. a bit more entertaining than, than than just a dry, you know, dry topic. So it's <laughs> good. Yeah, I, I I truly enjoyed this, and I think anyone interested in in sales, working in sales, and any manager could benefit from this. Obviously, they can go straight in and read your book uh, and and find out uh, much in a similar way. But I think what's interesting here is I, you know you know, had situations I can uh, relate to what you're saying. Um, some of the cases being my own experiences. But, you know, talking about it is good because you sometimes bring up more and you actually put your your your, your book into an actual discussion and seeing how do other people react to this. And I react very positively, as I said. And yeah, I'm, I'm certainly one that's been in, in this particular industry, betting a gaming industry that we are relating to today for, for, for you know, over 20 years. Um, so... And, and and don't forget, I've done a lot of research and all that back in the day. As I said, I worked telemarketing for many years and, and picked up the phone, cold calling people and using a very similar approach early on of, of adapting to the situation and building relationships. That was my way of selling. It wasn't an aggressive behavior of getting them to understand they needed my product. You know, I've tried to find a way where they would find value in the product and, and they would they would say, yeah, let's do it, you know. So you're very good at it, Raz. Well done. That's great. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> but okay, so I, 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 I think we covered a lot here, and it's been a little bit more than an hour. So I think we should uh, round this off, and uh, we'll have uh, you know your contact details, and people can get in touch with you. Uh, there will be all sorts of ways they can um, know how to book it on. I think is this mainly on Amazon? You would say people should. It's anywhere you want to buy books. Anywhere, anywhere you want to buy books, and thank you for the thank you for the plug. Yeah, you've been good at selling your book. Any, anyone yeah, wants to sell it for you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Steve, you have uh, an amazing weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to probably a continuing episode or another episode of this with you because we have a lot more to talk about. No, we're fantastic. Thank you, Raz. I really appreciate your time today, and, and everyone listening. Thank you. Take care. Likewise. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Bye bye.